Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. It's Chef Tom Douglas uh, joined in the kitchen here at the Hot Stove with Chef Terry Rotaro. We come to you from the Hotel Andra, beautiful hotel on there at 4th and Virginia, downtown Seattle, uh, right upstairs from Lola Restaurant. When I was in an Uber this morning. Why? Because I had to take my car into the collision shop. Mm. Yeah. So when I was in an Uber this morning, I said, uh, he said, you're going to Lola? Oh, that's my favorite place to send guests for breakfast. So I gave him a $20 tip. Oh, <laughs> as you should. And I knew when he said send people for breakfast that he wasn't just joshing me. I know. Uh, yeah, exactly. So It's a legendary for you're the You're listening breakfast. to us on Cairo, of course. We've been here for over 20 years and thankful that you're jumping in with us. Uh, uh, whether you do that or not on live terrestrial radio or you find us online in our podcast, either way, we, we appreciate being with you. We love you. We, we love, love you, you very much. Of course, we're taped here at the Hot Stove Society show, uh, kitchen uh, here in downtown Seattle. And if you want to buy a ticket and have some breakfast with us and share a hot cup of coffee, you can go to the Hot Stove website and we'll, we'll uh, take care of things from there. Uh, a big show today. Our producer, Pamela, has uh, written many extraordinary topics for us to discuss <laughs> Including uh, the blueberries, which we're fighting the robins for. It seems to be the robins in particular are taking our blueberries as they ripen. And they're very discerning. Oh, they only pick the ripe ones. Oh, my God. They're, they're so smart. How do they know? The smell. Those guys are really good. Yeah, they're really, really good. good. Peaking. You would think that there's some like little instinct in them that maybe... In fact, that's true. Yeah, I bet they can smell the sugars. Yep. Uh, Amy Weems is here. She is uh, part of our team here at the Tom Douglas Restaurant Group, and... She's the sauce boss. She's here to talk about hot dame sauce and the local uh, condiment scene. If you haven't seen it, in Metropolitan or uh, Seattle Met magazine, uh, there's a great article on condiments that are made locally and here in town. They even included Rub With Love, Chef. I, I, you know, I, pr- I perused through the whole article and I was like, they don't have Tom in here? And ah. Finally, I found it. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a has-been in many of the local media's uh, eyes. I, you know what they did? They, they put it in alphabetical order, and R is ah, at the end. I oh, see. good save, Terry. Yeah. Thank Chef you. Terry, exactly if, you're wa- if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, Chef Terry has brought a plethora of herbs from his garden and has them all laid out in front of his uh, microphone today. Terry, uh, just give us a quick rundown on what you have and why you brought them. I mean, well, I, I mean, them, quick. This is. I, I just went to my garden this morning. So there is Thai basil, lemon verbena, uh, red rib sorrel, thyme, bay leaf, sage, Mexican sage, uh, borage, uh, lemon balm, chives, celery, lavage, mint, rosemary. Jeez. And Jeez. plenty of edible flour, cornflour, corn blue cornflour. I'm assuming at some point in our show today we're going to talk about all those and why you brought them. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about it. We've got an ordinary to extraordinary next level appetizers. Summertime means lobster rolls. And lobster rolls are kind of becoming like the fish taco. You know, it used to be fish taco. You go to a Tex-Mex restaurant or something like that. Now they're a bit ubiquitous. They're at my golf club. They're at Seatown. I mean, lobster rolls seem to be. I have one advice. Let's diversify because they don't grow so fast. We're going to run out. So let's diversify and use other ingredients besides lobster. Ah, well, that's I will tell you, that's, that's a good idea, but people want lobster rolls. It's, it's amazing. I can get them with something else. And lastly, that, of course, know. we're going to finish our show today, uh, the final uh, segment of our second hour with uh, Rub With Love, Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia. 
We have some guests that have come in trash talking us uh, like they're going to take us down here today. Chef, uh, what do you think? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling great. I was in the garden at 6 a.m. this morning watering and picking all those goodies. Well, so, the question is, uh, should I be calling the Las Vegas bet line and bet on us or bet on our guest? Oh, they look pretty damn smart. For <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> some reason, we never hire anybody that nobody ever comes here that look like they would never win. So uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a very even game today. It's be a tight battle. It's going to so be a I tight battle. I shouldn't wager on... Well, you should wager on each side, you know. When you say things like that, it makes me want to wager on our guests, sadly. <laughs> Uh, our taste of the week. My taste of the week is kind of uh, more of a thought of the week. Okay. Which is uh, last night, uh, my sister is here with her two boys, and both have worked in the restaurant. One is currently in a food truck in, in the uh, Oakland area, and uh, the other is heading off to college. But he's worked for us for summers at the restaurants. And he was in charge, the younger one uh, was in charge of the appetizer at last night's supper. And he wanted to do it all on his own. He didn't want any help. And what I loved about it, it was the weirdest appetizer. How many people? Yeah. How many people? Uh, ten of us. Okay. So I, I shouldn't say it was weird. It was his vision, which I thought was interesting uh, for an 18-year-old, to actually think about it, buy it, make it, and serve it, and to be proud of it. And then uh, I came home late because I was working at Seatown Shuck and Oyster, so I was there like after it had been sitting for a while. Anyway, the point is he made a rice... And cooked salmon kind of, not a spread, but a little bit of a salad that he served with a seaweed crisp. You know those little rectangle seaweed crisps you can buy in the store? And then some fresh avocado on top. And you were supposed to wrap it up and eat it as a quick little bite. it It was perfectly delicious. Sure. But my taste of the week is the idea that we can influence these youngsters over their lifetime by including them in meals, by by serving and you know making them eat what's on the table, not just serving them uh, what they want to eat necessarily. Yeah, that we can influence these youngsters to kind of grow up and be pretty darn good cooks, whether they are professional or whether they're just doing it at their own home or their own frat or wherever. Uh, he was genuinely excited about the whole process and about the food that he made, and he just looked at me when I tasted it. He was so nervous, and you know. Uh, so that's my taste of the week is get out there, especially in the summertime. Teach your kids how to cook. Take them places. Right. Yeah, Try I, I things. Think, Don't just even, give them everything that they want. Chicken wings and onion rings. Yeah. Even uh, though even though we all are different, uh, some people might not be geared towards liking food. I think most people like food. And I, as a young age, you just teach them to eat food. Yeah. To eat different kind of food, so when they grow up and when they want to make something to eat, they don't just make. Yeah. Order, they don't just order from. Exactly. Yeah. He thought it was super healthy because it had salmon in it, and I, yeah. I said, "Is it farm salmon or wild salmon?" Oh, it's only wild salmon. Jackie told me only wild salmon. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, just making them think. Yeah. And I, lo- I think that's our responsibility as adults, and Absolutely. it was fun to kind of see that happen last night. So uh, my taste of the week is um, every year we go pick blueberry. You talk about blueberry. We go pick blueberry at a farm called Wood Creek uh, Farm, Blueberry Farm in Monroe. This year, we just met them, and they picked the first pint, and they gave it to us, the first pint of the year. He, he said, we're going to open in two weeks from now. He gave me blueberries, and I've never tested so sour in my life. They were so lemony, because Kathy made a little jam with it. We put in a little sh- vanilla sugar, made a little jam with it. The next morning, after the jam, when the jam was down and it was hot, it was so tart, so lemony, and she didn't put any lemon in it. The next morning we woke up, it was like a jello. Like it was super, 
like pectin, like pectin. all over yeah. the place. Mm-hmm. And it was not lemony anymore. It was delicious. So don't give up if you get blueberries that are sour. They make great jam. And just be patient till it cools off because it's so much better. So that's, that's my discovery of the week. I never experienced that before because I always get ripe blueberry. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. The only time I've really experienced that at all was with rhubarb where it, it, the tartness kind of mellows out a little bit. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, let's continue that blueberry conversation. Uh, it is peak of the season time, uh, although it sounds like maybe it's a week away for some places. But we're, we've been picking ours at our house for, for 10 days now. So, wow. Or I should say the birds have been picking ours. But you're on Eastern Washington. That's why. No, no, no. The ones in Seattle. Really? You're listening to us on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Hey, it's time for a peak of the season. Blueberries here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen on Cairo. Uh, my name is Tom Douglas. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm Terry Roach. You rolled a chef in the hat. Our audience motivator is falling down on the job. Thank you so much, chef. Well, when I'm not here, you guys don't applaud. I can't believe this. <laughs> this is worth applauding for. That's why we need you so desperately. Uh, a million things to do with blueberries, right? Uh, Pamela, oh, yeah. have you, uh, you've been harvesting ones at your house. Uh, have you harvested enough to do anything with or are they more like pick a snack uh the ones at home are a snack, a snack yeah. <laughs> if i'm gonna make anything i'm buying them yeah uh, uh, you but, have a favorite go-to when you buy well i uh i put a recipe down here that we made recently we hosted the blueberry commission and they wanted a whole coursed meal sweet and savory so i found a meatball recipe with blueberries in it the binder is sweet potato Mm. Pork, kale, blueberry, and a lot of herbs. It used uh, fresh sage and fresh oregano. And it's spectacular. The sweetness from the sweet potato holding everything together. The blueberries didn't come off Uh as as fruity. Um, They were more like the uh, moisture giver in the recipe. So it was fresh berries, what not dried. Yeah. Yeah. Because the dried might come off better yeah. in a situation uh, I think, I like think, that. Because they're more intense. Yeah, I agree with that, Tom. I think the, the dry, if you, I mean, by the way, drying blueberry, uh, if you have a dryer, don't be in a hurry. It takes a long time to dry blueberry. I've done it a few times. Because they have a, a tough skin Oh, on man, it, yeah. I don't know why. They take forever to dry. Tough skin. I think Tom nailed yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, when they're dry, they have a more potent flavor for some reason because it's concentrated. And uh, it's, that's why you add it to rice. You add it to many different things. But I also make a rice pudding with fresh blueberry that comes out pretty darn good. I think blueberries are delicious. They are, um, they're beautiful raw. I think on cereal in the morning, on, you know, it's, this, it's super, super simple but very nice. Almond milk, toasted almond, and uh, blueberry on top of cereal. Delicious. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, John George von Richten has a, a restaurant in New York City called the Spice Market, and I'm, probably my favorite rice pudding ever. And I, I love rice pudding, but me I me too. I, I love kind of trashy rice pudding. Like yeah. I'll buy the little cups at the store every once in a while, once a year or something. But but uh, you know, I have an affinity for trashy yeah. little things like that. But he did his with like a, <laughs> an elegant ginger cream, and then he stirred in whipped cream, like you might stir in egg whites to kind of lighten it up. And then he put little gem fruits that he had marinated in a star anise syrup. So little, little bits of blueberry, little bits of uh, 
diced small. So it's like this big pile of gems on top of this gorgeous rice pudding and delicious. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yeah, yeah, this time of year also you can make a nice little parfait of yogurt. Just fresh yogurts, blueberries, put that in the fridge. That makes a great, like, five o'clock, you know, kind of like I'm hungry, but I'm not ready for dinner. So nice little intermezzo. <laughs> Here's a little snobby thing from me, which I know you're not used to at all, but my nephew, I just told you my nephews are in town, and one of them works in a food truck. Guess what the food truck is famous for? What people line up 30 deep for? Hot dog. No. Hamburger, a cheeseburger with bacon and blueberry jam on the cheeseburger. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. I, really? And I said I to him... I sort of get that. What do you get about that, well, I Pamela? Think I'm so disappointed right now. The blue cheese is what is attracting me to the concept. So it's got to be I the I cannot stand blue cheese <laughs> on my burger. You could not make me eat that. That's funny. I, I love just, a good Stilton. Uh, he says people line up 30 deep for it. And I, I believe it because yeah. I know people... It's, it's, a, it's a yes or no kind of thing. The blue cheese thing is a yes or no. No, this is blue cheese with blueberries and beef and a beef patty and yeah. Oh, I thought you said blue cheese. No, 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 blueberry jam on oh. the blue cheese on the beef burger. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, jam, no, no. Yeah. I don't like sweet on top of my burger. Well, whatever. You, people put ketchup on burger ketchup all the time, and it's fifty percent sugar. You know what? Good for them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, blueberries. Anything else uh, savory-wise? I mean, I know you well, love to corn. do duck or the corn <laughs> salad. Every year, I, I have to make a homage to Tom Douglas and. Uh, stole that from you 25 years ago. and It's in my cookbook, dude. Uh, it is? Yeah. But you know, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth being in the cookbook. Tell us. It's, it's raw corn kernel, uh, blueberry, and uh, anise isop, talking about uh, herbs. Anise isop, julienne, tarragon a little bit, fresh chopped shallots, rice vinegar, olive oil, salt, pepper. I, of course, embellished it a little bit more mm-hmm. than you did it the first time, but... Um, that's what you do, chef. That's what I do. Yeah. And it comes out as a prize winner every single time. And what, what part of that never. surprise is that your guests are saying, like, they're, they're a little dumbfounded, corn and blueberry salad. Right. Yeah, so that's part of the, you make it unexpected. Correct. And also like the yeah. fact that it's raw, they don't have to do anything. You mm-hmm. have to do is clean the corn, mm-hmm. put the blueberry in there, chop the shallots, put it in there, fresh herb, you're done. I would bet the recipe that I have in my book is cooked. Really? I mean, that's, I did that 28 years ago, so yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't remember. It. I think I might have cooked. It's cooked. Yeah. I've Just either a quick blanch so or off raw. the charcoal you, you grill. You go to the, flour, the farmer's market, and you pick those ears of corn that are, like, perfect, like, tender. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you remove the, the, the topping, and then you just touch the corn and see how the kernels are. Let's move on to blueberry. All right, so let's do... Uh, Pickle blueberry. Go ahead. Another one that's... One, two, three. One, two, three. Very easy to do. Actually, it's three, two, one. Three, two, one. Yes. I'm three sorry. water, two sugar, one rice vinegar. Those are the, the um, proportions. Oh. And then you bring it to a boil for about two minutes, cool it off, and just as it becomes room temp, you put in your blueberry in there. Mm-hmm. Put a little weight on top because the blueberry want to flood. They want to bob on top. So you put a little weight, very light weight. Usually you can do... Uh, paper towel, if you do paper towel, double layer, it will sink them enough. And um, you just dip them overnight, and then you have pickled blueberry. So I don't, uh, three water seems like a lot to me, because I often will just do 
straight vinegar, like a rice vinegar especially. You know what? The acidity level doesn't seem as much. This is a safe recipe of like using the kiss rule, meaning the keep it simple, stupid kind uh-huh. of idea, mm-hmm. where you can use that for anything. Now, it's up to you to spice it up. Right. To Coriander you put, seed. You can put cinnamon, I mean, um, um, star anise. Mm-hmm. You can put all kinds of different herbs in there, spices. You could put uh, turmeric. You could put all kinds of different things. I've done millions of different, but the base is three, two, one. So then you can start with something. Then you so can somebody add, at home listening to us, whether you're pickling strawberries or rhubarb with, or blueberries. Start or, with that. Yeah, cucumbers. And then if you go, oh, that was a little bit weak on the vinegar. I like it. I like it more vinegar. Reduce the water. Mm-hmm. You don't have to augment the, the vinegar. Just reduce the water. You don't have to do three. You can do two, two, and yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But oh, you reduce the sugar. One of you just pick your own battle. But the most important part, for example, we have lemon verbena here. It's a very cool thing to do is to put your lemon verbena branches into your um, vinegar, into your um, syrup, basically, and then cook that for just one minute. Put that in there and then remove it, strain it, cool it off, and now you have a lemon-infused vinegar. Yeah. Sounds delicious, chef. Yeah. Uh, okay, one of our faves here is coming up, Amy Weems, founder of Hot Dame Hot Sauces. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Seattle Metropolitan Magazine article with all the different locally made condiments, which is uh, Amy's is one of those. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Back in the kitchen, it's the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo oh, Radio. Thank you for joining us here today. We're here for two full hours, Saturdays and Sundays. We're glad that you dropped in. Uh, Amy Weems is here. From uh, She is a teammate uh, of ours over at the theater group that we uh, work with, the Paramount and the Moor. And Amy, you have been working on... Your hot sauces for quite a while now, it seems like. You've yeah, developed like, a mighty loyal following within <laughs> within the company of all your workmates. Yes, Great. I love to hear that. I love to hear yeah. that. Thank well, you. JP I, yeah. especially. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell us about how you got started and, and then this cool notice that you just got in Seattle Met Magazine. And yeah. Tell yeah. us your story. Uh, so, as you know, I've been in the restaurant and bar business for a very long time. Um, and I... Had a restaurant for a while, for about four years. Uh, we did all, uh, you know, like you two, we did a lot of things from scratch. We had a lot of, um, uh, in the bar, we had a lot of uh, cocktail shrubs, uh, house-made syrups and liqueurs and bitters and that sort of thing. And I also um, got into the habit of making hot sauces and putting them out on the tables for people, just to kind of try with their food. Um, so that was how I... Uh, finalized the process that I use here. Restaurant closed um, a little over seven years ago, and hot sauce was the thing that I just kept doing for people, mm-hmm. kept making for myself, and would make for friends and family and that sort of thing, too. So uh, about four years ago, I felt like it was time for me to go back into business for myself again, and hot sauce and a cocktail shrub seemed like a real natural progression. Mm-hmm. And are called Hot Dame, D-A-M-E, and you yeah. sell them at farmer's markets now. Yes, I do. I mostly sell at farmer's markets. Um, this is my fourth season, uh, you know, given a couple of setbacks. Uh, 
in recent seasons. Um, <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. Maybe. Do we have to guess? <laughs> I can't think of anything. One okay. maybe more obvious, and then I had a uh, my I was out of a production facility for uh, most of last uh-huh. season too, so oh. that uh, kind of changed things. But I try to spread myself out. I'm still a one-person business. I try to spread myself out to as many markets, touching a wide area geographically mm-hmm. as well. Cool. So let's get into the sauces, uh, Chef, if you have a question about them. There's uh, three sauces that we're tasting today. The uh, green, which is? it's So uh, it's a mix of uh, ha- uh, jalapenos, serranos, poblano peppers, and then uh, kind of the flavor profile there uh, is enhanced with a little uh, celery seed and cumin. Uh-huh. My I love whole, your spicing on them. I think yeah. that's really sweet. Spicy. I, I love your spicing. Your your herb. Your, the oh. uh, that they're not just straight pepper sauce. Awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And um, also the fact that they're balanced, like they're not inedible in terms of so hot that you can touch it. Right. Great. So there is a very beautiful presence of the heat, but there's also the presence of something tasty behind it. So that's good. Awesome. Thank you. Sounds Appreciate like it's that. made by a chef or something. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then, and then the the next one is kind of the medium red, mm-hmm. which is uh, the flagship sauce. Um, definitely, the first recipe developed. It's kind of more my palate, I guess. It's um, a mix of serranos and jalapenos as well at the base, and then there's some dried and smoked guajillos with that one mm-hmm. for kind of a smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. I love those dried yeah. Mexican chilies. You can do so much with them uh, because when you rehydrate them. Uh, they just turn into a paste, mm-hmm. and they become so delicious. And Great. Uh, and then uh, you have the, the hot one, the habanero. Yep, and then the newest one to the permanent lineup is a habanero-based sauce. It's habaneros mixed with sweet peppers, and then uh, you've got a little uh, sumac and allspice with that one. Is it smoked? It tastes a little bit smoked, no? It's not smoked. Or maybe no. the sumac? Maybe the sumac, give it, yeah. Give it that yeah. little... That would be my guess, a little yeah. bit more of that kind of earthiness yeah, yeah sumac people are finally discovering sumac and it's yeah. it's earthy delightfulness a little lemony it's just a it's yeah. a great herb it's a great zest at the end of a dish you mm-hmm. know when you're finishing a a chicken or a sauce you, you just throw a little bit on top of that chicken and mm-hmm. put it in the oven for three minutes and you get this wonderful little zing on top of your skin right. it's nice a little zing with also a little bit of uh substance to it right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Then let's jump in. Uh, in front of us, uh, Chef, we have a couple of shrubs. One yep. is a blackberry... Blackberry jalapeno. Jalapeno. And the other is a... Uh, the other one is my uh, classic. It's similar flavor profiles, the flagship red hot sauce. Okay. I-, I asked you this off the air, but I wanted to hear the answer wow. on the air, which yeah. is, how do you drink a spicy shrub? Now, do people think about it like as a replacement for a cocktail, or is it just something like, if I'm going to have a Diet Coke, or I'm going to have this spicy shrub? You know, yeah. It's like... There's uh, people, one of the things I love about this is that it's, um, uh, I often refer to it as a beverage condiment, although so many great food applications as well, but people do a really wide variety of things with them. I uh, initially started with that classic recipe because I'm a tequila person. I would just drink a shot of, t- oh, a shot of tequila awesome. with yeah. some of that uh, smoky cocktail shrub, mix it in together, stir oh, it over okay. ice, yeah. strain it out. Um, but they're they're great to kind of enhance or play around with some of your cocktails that you're already drinking. Um, but they are, I definitely have a lot of people who use them as a alcohol substitute. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're drinking them just like you have them here with club soda or in a ginger ale or that sort of thing. Um, a lot of people are, you know, trying to either cut back or 
um, just kind of mix things up a little bit, especially summertime. I don't know. And with, this, a little bit, but. with this hot weather, I'm picturing a beautiful glass picture, yeah. a picture, not a picture, picture, and then full of, uh, um, it's not kombucha, but it's similar to that. Yeah. With yeah. soda. And then a lot of fresh herbs in there, like mint or... Yeah, And then give that a nice little flavor, leave it in the sun yep. for, you know, an hour or two, and then put in the ice in it, and bingo, you get a wonderful infused... Yes, yes. why haven't I done this? I'm doing that today. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. perfect. Yes, thank you. It's I'm like going to take some of these herbs especially, with me. <laughs> especially because it's hot this week. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, that's the first thing you did, Chef, was you took some of the lemon bulb that you brought in, mm-hmm. yeah. rubbed it between your fingers, and dropped it in the shrub. Yeah. And it changes the dynamic, but that that nice spicy base is, is there. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Don't want, you want to try it? Yeah. Yes, I do. So if you think about it, like maybe you could even think about it like a Bloody Mary uh, and where you would use that instead of the tomato juice. Yeah. Uh, although this time of year, tomato water is, we're going to start seeing some excess tomatoes with this heat. It's coming soon. Yeah. yeah and coming so soon. Having tomato water is always but fun. But anyway, you let that infuse for an hour or two on the, in the sun. Yeah. Just like you would iced tea or anything like that. And then yes. You, would, you know, you could even mix that with iced tea if you wanted to, if you sure. had iced tea. Yeah. A great combination. Yeah. I have been, yeah, I've been making a um, lemon balm tea with the excess of lemon balm in my yard uh, this year, and that sounds like a really you could also good addition to that. There is wonderful strawberry in the garden right now. <laughs> yeah, just about there. In there. Yep. And those yep. would start to get like gently pickled kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think but, we're coming to the end of those. But this, uh, the shrubs are very versatile. I'm always surprised to, again, I kind of put them together with something for the, the hot sauces in mind for something for the kitchen, the shrubs in mind for something for the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm constantly surprised and impressed with the customers who come back to me and say, oh, I put this into my salad dressing or I, um, yeah, I did, with it. I did a wide variety of, uh, food, food things. And I often use the, uh, Tabasco Chipotle Tabasco as mm-hmm. kind of that secret ingredient in my kitchen, which your middle sauce would work perfectly into as, yeah. as you add it. Nobody knows it's there, but it perks it up and it replaces salt sometimes too. When you add these yep. little spicy lifts without yeah. being, you're, you're not trying to take over the dish. Right. You know, right. Yeah, so. Right. Yeah, just enhance what's already there. Yeah. So what does it take for someone to make that at home? Because, I mean, I've never made hot sauce myself from scratch. I've always bought it from people who knew better. Yeah. Um, but oh, my gosh. You got to get all those papers. You got to roast the papers or you buy them roasted already. You know, one of the things I love about hot sauce is that there are so many different ways to make it. Um, so everyone does their own special thing. Um, my sauces are fermented. Not every hot sauce is. Um, my sauces are not canned. A lot of them are. Some people use uh, roasted or in otherwise in other ways cooked peppers before they start. Um, there's just so many things you can do, just kind of depending on what's available to you or what your uh, flavor preference is, what your style is, that sort of thing. Um, but I start with the raw product, and I do um, a pretty short fermentation period, and then uh, the ingredients are just blended with uh, vinegar before they're bottled. That's really, I like to keep it just as simple as possible. Yeah. And there's probably a health quality to the probiotic nature of it not being canned. Right. And, yes, yeah. I would imagine so. I'm not, you know, I haven't, uh, yeah. I don't have the scientific uh, research to back that up, but I, I would imagine so as well. Well, if you want to know more about Amy's hot sauce, Hot Dame, uh, there's a cool article in Seattle Metropolitan Magazine about her sauce, about a bunch of different local condiments that are made here in the Seattle mm-hmm. area. 
And uh, I think it's a great that. article. I read the whole thing. It, it's a beautiful article. It's make you discover some local stuff. Yeah, exactly. They covered a lot of products. Yeah, they covered a lot. I mean, they even really had a little spice rub. They had yeah. Rose Love. They had uh, <laughs> Villa Girada. They had all those different places where you can buy condiments and spices in the local scene that, you know, many people don't know. On Cairo Radio, when we come back, let's talk about this Seattle Met article. Amy Weems, thank you so much. Get out there to your farmer's market and look for hot dame hot sauces and shrubs and... Uh, have fun. Have Thank fun you so summer. much for having me. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It's Appreciate pepper it. season. Yeah. The fresh ones are coming on. That's on right. Cairo. Yep. And they're going to finally be ripe after this week. That's right. 97.3 FM. All right. We're back here in the hot stove kitchen. Why not? Why shouldn't we? It's very happy. It's gardening time. Hopefully you got your headphones on. You're in the garden, kind of just picking and weeding and and enjoying uh, this heat that we're having and all the good things that happen when you go into your yard. Like when I went over to your house to drop off that shelf uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were out there just, you were dirty. You were dirty. You <laughs> Yesterday were out there. I was covered in mud. Yeah. You were dirty. And, and I've never seen her happier than when she's full of dirt. Just like Jackie, my There's wife. There's something very pleasant about that. Your yeah. back is aching. Your feet are dirty. Your hands are black. Your... I mean, there's something satisfying about that. Yeah, exactly. That shower is always welcome after that and just feels so... You know what I find super satisfying about that is when Jackie walks in with a freshly picked and washed tote of gorgeous produce from our farm, (laughs) and I just cook it. I I don't have to do the dirty part. (laughs) (laughs) That's my idea of fun. You get the easy job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Pamela, you picked out this article from Seattle Met of all these local condiments. Amy Weems is staying here from Hot Dame Sauces. Uh, tell us uh, what you're thinking about it. Well, in addition to being a big fan of your product, what I'm also interested in, coming um, from the food product side myself mm-hmm. and trying to figure out distribution and profitability, yeah. is how the heck are you turning this into a company yeah. that makes it worth doing? During the break, we were talking about farmer's markets a little bit Is is that your plan um, going forward? Well, let's. Uh, I'm just going to remind everybody that I am still part of the Tom Douglas family. Yes, uh, we're, and we're so, so you actually have that. a job. I, ha- I have a job. Is what you were trying uh, to tell. I have me. a job. Um, hot Dame is a thing. Hot sauce is a thing that I'm very passionate about. It's a thing that I really enjoy doing, and it's a thing that I definitely established as a side business. Um, and have really recently come to realize that I um, enjoy it as a side business. So at this point, I, I, I was at a point uh, in the business um, right before the pandemic where things were starting to tip the other direction, and I was feeling like I wanted to put myself more fully occupationally into the hot sauce business. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I had a restaurant for a period of time, and having to rely on hot sauce to pay all of my personal bills is yeah. sucks some of the joy out of it. <laughs> okay. So um, I definitely wanted to keep it uh, a thing that I genuinely want to do. So it's a beautiful blend. 
It's a beautiful blend for me. Yeah. Um, and I'll remind people, Pamela, you said that you're coming from that side of the business. Pamela was instrumental in starting Red Hook Brewery right. and Theo Chocolate. <laughs> Just yeah. a little bit different scale, yeah. maybe, than right. Farmer's right. Market. She exactly. didn't go to Farmer's Market. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. She went to what's called distributor. Yeah. Right, right. Nationwide, regional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, Pam, there's, there's several items in here that we are very fond of. I'll start right off with yes, the please. Kari Kari. Uh, spicy Szechuan yes. chili crisp, and uh, I will say I had it again the other night, and I, I was kind enough to myself to put two tablespoons on the dish <laughs> that I was because it's not super spicy. Those right, these chili right. crisp, but what really got me about that particular one was the Szechuan peppercorn buzz in my mouth. You know that natural. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What do you call that when it, the after the aftermath creates like a little numbness yeah. uh, on your palate, and also. The garlic mm. is pronounced, it's very pronounced. So if you have to make sure you remember that, because the, the dish, if it doesn't go with garlic, it's going to be a little bit um, yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, great a great condiment. condiment. I mean, condiment. Yeah. <laughs> I put it in a watermelon salad the other day. That was like, yes. that was the oh, kick of the salad. Yes. That was really cool. Uh, there's, there's several different hot sauce companies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Working right alongside Amy, uh, Papa Tony's hot sauce. One of my favorite local hot sauces is the Bonash. Yeah, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it's Bonash or Bonache, but apparently it's Bonash. 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 It's yeah. something his baby cooed, and yeah. then he just leapt, uh, latched onto it. But I love their Hatch chili sauce, mm-hmm. and I yep. use that just as a shake. It's not particularly spicy, but uh, I just think that that's a, that's a fun. But I like all of their sauces, like I like all of Amy's sauces. Uh, there's um, Another one featured in there that uh, from the Puyallup Fair, barbecue Pete's. You ever go to the oh, Puyallup yeah, yeah. Fair and you know they have that huge kind of uh, I saw the other cement day. long pit yeah. that they do there. You know, butterfly chickens on and yeah. this and that. Rib. There's a lot of great products out there. Yeah, it's do you, do almost you have a favorite to tell us about. No. <laughs> You're being polite. Yeah, hot dames. No. She's got a favorite, all right. No, there's. I unfortunately there. It's one of those places where there are so many products where, um, and it's not a thing that I go to regularly enough. Uh, I will bring a thing home with me. I'll use it, uh, you know, until it's gone, and you know, hopefully, I'll remember to go back and get it. Mm-hmm. I there was a um, spice person, a rub person, uh, that I came across there last time I was there, which was too long ago now. At this point, we're going back. We're all going back. Field trip. Exactly. Going back. Yeah. Pickles are so hot, and I, uh, I'm surprised that there's enough money in it to keep some of these businesses going. Like, <laughs> just in this little article, there's Seattle Pickle Company, Brits Fermented Foods that does pickles. Uh, there's um, They expanded from just their pickles, and now they're fermenting other vegetables. It's, it's cool. Yeah, Firefly they, Kitchens. It's doing I love awesome. Firefly mm-hmm. Kitchen. Do you ever buy the yin-yang carrots? I don't. Oh, no. They're so tangy. Sauerkraut. And their sauerkraut's fantastic. There's uh, Mom Noon Fine Foods. Uh, Oh, yeah. Those guys have really kind of branched out. uh, I kind of find that company similar in nature to ours, where they're diversifying enough with their product line. They have street food. They have sit-down restaurants. They now have a product line. Uh, They're opening. And if you haven't had their hummus, I put a five-star on that one. It's a delicious hummus. Five because star. their tahini so good. Yep. Oh, good, good, good. Well, do they make their own tahini? They bottle it. I don't know if they make it. I don't know. 
I don't know either. Yeah. There's that company that uh, we've had on our show here. Villa Giretta. Yeah, tell us about them. Because uh, that's a local condiment company, but it, the ingredients are from... Doing everything from Morocco. Yeah. And Mehdi um, um, has been doing Villa Giretta for, I don't know, maybe 10 years now. And uh, he's bringing olive oil, plenty of beautiful olives, and his, his uh, hummus is also delicious, but Pam is in love you're in love with the... Uh, He's very handsome. You, no, no, but you're in love, you're in love with his uh, tahini. Tahini. Yeah. I his think tahini it's the best on the market. gorgeous. Yeah. Smooth, like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, he has confit lemon. He has all kinds of different... He has a whole range, harissa. So. I have a little bit of a passion for jardinera. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love it on a sandwich, you know, just like in the central grocery down in New Orleans. But uh, there's one here that I have not tried. It's called Hero, the Mighty Condiment. And they have a featured jardinera in this particular Seattle Met article on tomatoes, sliced tomatoes, fresh mozzarella, and then jardinera right on that top. That is so a great idea. A, a key to it would be, and you can see it in the, the picture in the article, is a really hard toasted bun. Yeah. Right? Because that adds a whole level of flavor before you ever put you anything on that. top yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, we do kind of a, one of those at the airport. We do a. I do a Mediterranean salad in a sandwich. Uh-huh. And of course, it can be one or the other, right? If you don't do it right, it can be very soggy and not yeah. so good. It's, yeah, it needs to be done right away. Yeah. So it's toasted is definitely part of it. Do you have Jim Cross's recipe for his? For antipasto? His antipasto. I have a jar in my uh, 10-year-old, 12-year-old <laughs> jar in my pantry. Should we still eat that? Jackie just wants me to save it. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. We should not eat that. You didn't get the recipe, though? <laughs> no, we have the recipe. Okay. We should not eat that for sure. That would be fun to do in a little antipasto. There's some in the marketplace. Some good, yeah. Yeah. And that one has tuna in it and vegetables and olives and... Mm. Um, you know, like a lot of those old things, we don't have time to get into it so much, but a lot of those old-time recipes are very much like, okay, put a can of tomatoes in, put a can of green olives in, put a, yeah. right, put a, a can, can, a can, a can of, of cauliflower, a can of yeah. tuna. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just the way it was in, in many old-time recipes. If you look at the recipe boxes that I have, it's like, yep, that's, that's exactly it. When we come back, we've got another full hour right here at the Hot Stove Society Show. We're coming to you from the... Uh, Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle. And we have a couple of guests here today that are starting to get excited about taking this on in trivia. Cowboy Radio 97.3 FM. And we're back. It's a delicious day here in the Hot Stove Society kitchen. We're having been a great tasting time. hot sauces, we've been tasting shrubs. Uh, Pamela uh, is now getting out the Kari Kari uh, hot sauce. I'm not sure why, what's going on with that, but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about herbs now. Yep. You have a prolific herb garden. I do. I, I, uh, for many, many years, that was my resource for most of my herbs were coming from my yard in the summertime for sure. So we have... For your restaurants. For the restaurant, yeah. Because for, herbs are expensive. I mean, they're yeah. $20 a pound when you buy rosemary or thyme or things like that. They can be, they yeah, can be very expensive. More importantly, the fragile one you don't find, it's not easy to buy. You know, there's many herbs you can't really find very nicely on the market. Mm-hmm. Even chives, when you buy chives, often they're not that great. Um, you know, you pick chives from your garden in the morning and you roll them up in a wet paper towel. Wait till and, I tell Charlie what you said. Oh, he's heard me say it. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, 
Herbs are hard to buy fresh, especially fresh herbs. Rosemary, bay leaf, thyme, those are sturdy, oily, very sturdy herbs, so they, they stay well. So you can buy them in the market. So it's sage. But once you get into chives, once you get into uh, lemon verbena, you get into Thai basil, it gets very tricky to buy it, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't last. So anyway, I used to do, um, there was a time at Rover's where I had the garden in the back of it, and that was, you know, 420 every day, full sheet pan. The pantry guy would go out into the backyard, and he would cut so many of each of the herbs, and then he bring them back. You know, you put them in water, obviously a little water, and then you have them in front of you during service, and you can just... And I was never um, strict about only put this herb on this. It's like, no, when you're sending the plate, it's what comes up. You know, obviously... Some herbs match and some herbs don't, but, you know, it was always in front of you. And if you run out, you walk 50 feet up in the backyard and you pick some more. <laughs> it was like, yeah. same with nasturtiums, same with pansies, same with all the edible flowers that we had. We, we had them in the backyard, so we picked the right amount every day. We never had any leftovers. So there's, there's good ways to use all this variety of herbs uh, that you have. And uh, there's, it seems in every culture there's a version of chermula or salsa right. verde or uh, it's just the best way I can think of to when you have an excess of herbs to do the combination of all of them together right. uh, and just to be aware not to overwhelm it with one particular. Right. Herb. The laziest way is to put it, I don't know if you do, but in my freezer I have a, a, a bag, plastic bag, where I put all my leftover bones all the time, and I put all the leftover peeling of carrots or whatever. So eventually when I have enough, I just put everything in the pot and I have a stock. Mm-hmm. So that's where I put the leftover herbs, if I have some leftover herbs, as a lazy way of doing it. That is brilliant. I'm stuffing that into my chicken bone bag tonight. <laughs> yeah, in my house, we're, we love, Kathy and I, we love eating on the bones. Uh-huh. You know, chicken and everything, and, and, but we never throw them away. We always put them in a bag, in the freezer, <coughs> and then once we have enough, put that in a pot, and we have a beautiful chicken stock. Yeah. Roasted, and, and yeah. it's ready to go. It's already roasted. So let's go through a couple of the ones that you have here. Pam, you've called out Anna's hissup. Uh, what's your well, question t- on that? Terry's always talking about it, yeah. I, and it's one that I don't have, but uh, what I was hoping we would get into is beyond the garnish and when they really are elemental in the dish. Mm-hmm. The ones that I've, recipes I found was in braising lamb. Right. Anise hyssop was a recommended one. Or in ratatouille, which sounds oh, yeah. brilliant to add that flavor. So I would, if you use anise hyssop in cooking, I would try using it at the end. Yes. Mainly because it's got the anise flavor in it, very light anise it's kind of a mix between basil, anise, and tarragon. So isn't it from the herb, fa- uh, the mint family, I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is from the mint family, but it doesn't have a strong mint flavor. It's more light anise, almost like a reglis, which I forgot how I we say that I in English. I don't know what that is. thing you chew on that's black. Anise? Yeah. Uh, oh, licorice. licorice. Licorice, thank you. Yeah. I was looking for that word. Yeah. Licorice. So it's kind of a light licorice idea. So it goes well with the lamb, but you need to make sure... Then you use it towards the end. That's where you'll have the more potency. If you cook it for a long time, you're not going to find that licorice flavor being as good or as delicate as it is. I think it's, people f- forget you could take it even in a different direction than the braise. Like right now, people are cooking on their grill outside. 
But if you take a bundle, I mean, oh. anise hyssop uh, generally grows uh, ferociously. Ferociously, yeah. Uh, if you take a bundle of that and say put it on the grill and then put your your butterfly leg of lamb on top of the anise hyssop and let it burn onto oh, the lamb. Oh, wow. I mean, it yes. becomes ash, right? And that ash is then infused yep. onto the lamb and it's and it just infuses flavor. There's lots of ways to use it. Oh. Like in the wintertime, yeah. Go ahead and take the stuff you've put in the freezer or pureed and put it into your braise. And Or you can also mix it with a little bit of mint and, and basil and then put that in the blender with a little bit of olive oil and lemon juice. You got a wonderful like chomula we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Then you put that on top of your leg of lamb that's been grilled and or your duck or whatever, mm-hmm. and then put that at the end. And so my it. suggestion is both, right? Yeah. You get, so then you get the cooked charred flavor of the anise yeah. and then you refresh that with another layer of fresh anise up. Yeah. And that's how you create depth in your cooking. People forget that it, it, you know, it's not just salt, right? It's not just chili pepper. It is... If you want depth, you have to add those layers. Yeah, lemon verbena is another herb that we can talk about that, you know, you do roasted potato, you know, in a cast iron pan. At the end, you put in a bunch of chopped uh, lemon verbena, toss the potato together, put it in a bowl, and then cover it. And then you'll have all this infusion of lemon verbena into your potatoes. I saw a lot of recipes for lemon verbena just because it's so aggressive with its citrusy no, the one that I'm going to try soon is the tomato avocado salad. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had a bread recipe and a, a beautiful companion to butter, whether in a bear blanc or in a compound butter. Compound butter is lemon. I mean, lemon verbena compound butter. I made that many times. It's really delicious. And it, you're grilling a piece of fish. You put a few pieces of butter on top of it as you put it on the platter or on the plate. It's yeah. delicious. It melts and it's got that wonderful zinginess to it. And another thing is you're, you're, you're using lemon or lemon juice. Take all the zest and mix that with your lemon compound butter, your lemon verbena compound butter. So now you have extra lemon flavor in it. So it's another way to use that. And lemon verbena as a syrup, you know, you just take a whole bunch of lemon verbena, put it in sugar, leave it on the counter overnight, let it macerate together. Next day, add a little bit of water to it, put it on the fire for about two minutes till it boils. It needs to boil for about two minutes. Then strain the whole thing up, and you get this wonderful, strong lemon verbena syrup. Overnight in the sugar? Oh, yeah. No water? No water. Okay. It will start the process of breaking it down, and it will extract the lemon flavor. Lemon verbena can get tough. Oh, yeah. Especially at the height of summer. It's not something... Sometimes it's something that has to be extracted rather than eaten raw. Yeah. Yeah. You can cover, let's say, a leg of lamb. You can cover it with the leaves, like Tom was saying, and cook with it. But it's not something you want to eat whole. All right. When we come back, it's time to talk about lobster rolls. They are taking over the marketplace. And is it okay? Of course, they're delicious. I'll tell you how to make one, but is it okay? Is should are we going to fish out lobster here pretty quick across America on Cairo Radio? This is Tom and Terry in the Seattle Kitchen, Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. Welcome back. We're back in that kitchen, the Hot Stove Society kitchen. Our audience motivator is back on track. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a true summer treat, and, and it's uh, actually becoming a national phenomenon, which is the lobster roll. And Terry, uh, you know I have Sea Town down at yep. the in the market, and uh, 
it's very much lobster roll territory. Uh, it's fish and chips, clam chowder. Uh, we now have just put on maybe two or three months ago a lobster roll. It quickly moved up the charts. Uh, it's right behind uh, fish and chips, and then the fish taco, and then the lobster roll is number three now. Uh, and it's perfectly delicious, uh, I think. It's important. It's a top cut kind of hot dog roll, but it's right. top cut. And then we slather it with butter and toast the bun uh, on the very side, important. nice and toasted. And then uh, we take the lobster meat that's already been picked. We're buying uh, meat from Maine or Nova Scotia, wherever it's coming from at the moment. And we poach it in butter, and then we stir it in mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, and, my. And, wait, wait, uh, wait. We put a little... You poach it in butter, and then you stir it into mayonnaise? Yeah. Okay. Don't be judgmental. I'm not... I'm just... Li- I just wanted to make sure I uh, that So right. we, we pry open the roll, put in our shredded lettuce, put in the butter-poached, dressed lobster meat, uh-huh. and then finish it with some chives on top and... It's lemony and, and delicious, and the thing is, it's forty dollars a forty dollars sandwich. And when you put the word lobster on a menu, people have no problem paying a forty dollars for a sandwich. It's not like I'm getting rich off of this sandwich. It's got my highest food cost of right. anything on the menu. It's just that I I couldn't bring myself to make it what we should charge, which is fifty dollars for the sandwich, because that's what that's what it costs these days, right? So, anyway, it took me back, and you know we we're going to talk a little bit about the lobster roll today, but. And it took me back to the opening of Seatown 10 years ago when I had a crab roll. and Because I've always loved a good Maine lobster roll. Sure. I made a Dungeness crab version of, of the same thing, same idea. But they kept getting sent back because in Seattle, when people ordered a crab roll, they thought they were getting like a California roll, like a sushi roll. <laughs> and so it was... <laughs> they had no idea what I was sending out to them. So the first thing you my do, my take on a lobster roll. First thing you do is under the title is write just like a lobster roll, except local. Well, boom! I'm just saying that it, lobster rolls weren't well known at that. No, point. I know, I know. You know, so no, they just did, didn't get it. But now they do. I think part of the question is the first thing you kind of recoiled, saying those things take a long time to grow. Yeah, we we've got to get over this, or we're going to fish them out. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Even if it's farm-raised and all that stuff, it, it still it takes a long time to grow. And, and, I mean, if the whole country starts making lobster roll and this becomes the hardest item on all menus, it's not going to take very long before we go, oh, the lobster tail are not a pound and a half anymore. They're only a pound and then three-quarter pound. And uh-huh. something we had with monkfish and... King crab. You know, king crab and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's been same story. So we need to make sure we don't forget to diversify on the lobster roll and make other roll. I mean, you could do a, a gooey duck. I mean, uh, not a gooey duck, sorry. Oh, a razor no. clam. No. A razor clam roll. Yeah. No, you can't really. I mean, I'm, I, I love you to death, but you can pan fry a razor clam, yeah. put it on a roll like a yeah. poor boy yeah. of something. But that's not a, what a lobster roll is. A I lobster roll is. I guess I don't know if what If you want to make exactly. it akin to something, it's more like tuna salad, you know, where you take oh, the, yeah. the poached fish and you mix it with mayonnaise and you make a salad and put it into. A sandwich, a lobster roll is poached lobster that you make a salad out of and put it into the right, 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 the right. toasted butter bun. No, I see. So, uh, but yeah. crab, but crab is definitely a great substitute. I mean, but crab is crab meat these days. It's very expensive. Fifty-five dollars a pound, also. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, we have these issues throughout the ocean Correct. and throughout our you know universe that we are continually trying to buy things that are certified by the Monterey. 
Bay Aquarium. And so how about a salmon roll? Because we have 60 roll. million head that came back into yeah, Bristol exactly. Bay. Well, so we, we have the best-selling salmon burger in, in the city, I think, down at Seatown. And it's a wild Bristol Bay sockeye salmon. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways to go about it. But I didn't, it wouldn't have occurred to me that you didn't really know what a lobster roll was. Well, I do know what it They're is. I just so never, I never, I've never had a lobster roll anywhere. Actually, I should go to Sea Town and really try it. There you go. I, think I owe it time. to myself. <laughs> Next so, stop. I got hooked on them. I never had them much either, but I got hooked on them at a restaurant in New York City called Mary's Fish Camp. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and, and remember, what there was treat. also the Pearl Oyster Bar, I think. Yes. They, they both, both had, had lobster rolls. And they used to be partners, like lovers' partners. And then they they broke up, and they each kept. And I have the book. I think for, it's called something Maine Cobbler and Lobster Roll. It's the name of uh, her cookbook. And then the other woman opened up Mary's Fish Camp, and it's full, a hundred percent. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah, to both of them. F- full, a hundred percent of the time. But how I don't beautiful know is that? If any of them uh, were ever as good as the ones that you made for my birthday in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, when we were opening the Red Hook Brewery yeah, there, the first, we had uh, a Red lobster roll extravaganza. It was incredible. But I was thinking about them because Shoreline Central Market has them in the live tank right now. Lobsters. Lobsters. Yeah. But it was too, so I was craving one, but I was just too intimidating to uh-huh. buy the live. So the fishmonger was trying to talk me into the frozen Tails. Which would, would work? Uh, raw would or work? fresh? I raw, mean, raw or boiled? Raw, uh-huh. frozen. Because uh-huh. if you go online, you can buy really good, already cooked lobster meat in cups like you would buy fresh crab meat. Right. Uh, but they also sell it in cups, uh, like one-pound cups. So how do you buy it for Seatown? We buy it uh, frozen, poached, in uh, five-pound cryovacs. I don't know if you, you've never been in the kitchen at Sea Town, but it's the size. It's, I've been it's, it's to the kitchen at Sea Town. It's smaller than this little yes. area right here. So it's amazing mm-hmm. how small it is. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'll again, just say we did twenty thousand dollars worth of business out of that kitchen yesterday, and twenty thousand dollars worth of business out of that kitchen on Saturday, and twenty thousand dollars worth of that. I mean, it is it is a. It reminds me of Cafe Sport. The first time I saw the kitchen, uh huh. It wasn't. It was. I just couldn't believe what you were doing for brunch oh, out of that kitchen. Crazy. It was. Like a massacre. It was like brunches. a massacre. Yeah. It was like those poor cooks back there. They only one way out or in. <laughs> hey, I was one of those poor cooks. Back I know, there. but yeah. I was like, that was that was. Uh, well, people, yeah, people don't realize. Sometimes they want to build their home kitchen like they want to build these big kitchens. Right. But really, the most efficient kitchens are well planned. The one where you don't move. And they, you just, essentially, you're working on a pivot, right? You go yeah. from the stove to the sink to the fridge, and you got this little triangle pivot. Those are the most efficient kitchens, and right. that's the way I set up all of our kitchens is to be small and efficient in that way. Right. And those days at Cafe Sport, uh, which is where Etta's is now or was, right. um, we would do you know 500 people. I remember. And we didn't used to close between lunch and dinner. We would turn over the line and start dinner right at 4.30. There was a mutiny. <laughs> they, yeah. They, they just said, we have to close for an hour, chef. We yeah. have to close for an yeah. hour. So. But they didn't realize I was on a profit percentage at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the longer we were open, the better I did. So, oh well, oh well. That's a lot of years ago. That's forty years ago, almost. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God! Yes, yeah. it is. You're right. Uh, when we come back, uh, Tom and Terry each pick two appetizers to upgrade. Can't wait to see this. Can't wait to see this. Escargot? No, just kidding. 
Not for me, thank you, Chef. Uh, on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Are you sick and tired of your basic appetizer that you always serve at your house when company comes over, Chef? Are you sick and tired of it? Well, I don't get enough people at my house, so no. And <laughs> if I was tired of something, I probably would make something else. Okay, but well, that's what we're going to do today. The answer is, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's, yes, uh, some people are very much cut into doing the same thing. I do, like well, this we, time of year, I do make the same kind of salad, like watermelon salad I keep talking about because I love it. I think it's beautiful, it's fresh, and it's summery, and that's what's available right now. I don't get tired of it. I just think it's a seasonal thing. You do know, you, you think go, the friends you invite over get tired of the same salad that you make every year? Well, I don't invite them uh, the same thing. You won't people. invite them back? I would not, I would not <laughs> make them twice the same thing, though. I would, I'm not like that. All right, it's Tom and Terry in the kitchen here at the hot stove, and we're going to try and punch up uh, some of your appetizers that maybe you own. One of the things I've learned here at the hot stove over the years is that people are, are not super confident in the kitchen sometimes, but on dishes that they feel like they own, right? Like I, I know my lasagna inside and out, and I, I make it every time, and, and they feel very comfortable with that. But the idea of changing an ingredient or taking a step out, maybe using a different type of pasta, you know, it's different it's, meat. It's really threatening the people and yeah. the, and the and things that they own. So, like my mother makes crab dip as an appetizer. That's what she does. Uh, when I bring back fresh Dungeness crab instead of the canned crab that she buys at Costco, she doesn't quite know what to do with it. It's just a different crab. It's the same. It's crab dip. It's just the same thing. I know. But it it doesn't look the same. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't twist her, but it, it does make her just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. One so, thing that comes to mind for me is the hummus craze that has been going on of changing from what hummus was originally, chickpeas, to uh, fava beans, to umamis, to... I mean, uh, um, edamame, not umamis, edamame, you know, many different uh, vegetables have been used to now make To hummus. puree for hummus. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's really cool. I think that's very imaginative. It's also, why not? You know, you can use pureed peas instead of using garbanzo beans. I mean... Yeah, just like people make cauliflower risotto, you know, right, and what right. the intention is that... The cauliflower is cooked risotto style, Correct. right? Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to me, I think it's totally fine. And that's one appetizer that I think that uh, if you're used to make, to buy something out of a jar, you know, like, like hummus, you can just make your own. So Pamela, our producer, gave us a list of some things that she would like us to upgrade, as she says. And so... Uh, well, ordinary to extraordinary, because that's what our listeners love about you guys, when uh -huh. you put your special touch on it. And I think at the same time, we should keep it simple. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyone could spend all day making clam dip. I mean, you could, but we don't need to. <laughs> so I'm going to start with clam dip, because that's what you put that in there. And to me, just take fresh clams, and, and I'm going to assume that we want them out of the shell, and uh, you can puree um oh, i don't want to puree the clams but you can chop the fresh clams so you steam them pick them okay. chop them and uh, or if you want to get really simple just take those whole fresh clams and put them in this kari kari uh chili sauce and oh. use that on a little bit of a fried wonton and there's your clam dip and it really hasn't taken a whole lot more than just no um, cream nothing nothing no the, the, you can't you don't want to because 
we're staying Asian, and that just would not be, okay. Okay, uh, that okay. would yeah, not yeah. be part of the mix there. That's so true. You were you were going. You Asian could mix style. in a little um, chopped tofu or something like that, so you have a little bit more bulk and not just clams. But that is a quick little clam dip that would be. And if I were to do that, I would use the pre-fried tofu that you can buy in the in the market. Just mince it up, put it with the clams, and then stir in your chili crisp. You have a nice little spicy clam dip. Okay, Chef, your turn. Okay, so onion tart, it says on there. So I'm going to do onion tart. When, before it comes out of the oven, a few minutes before it comes out of the oven, fresh cheese grated right on top to have a mm. beautiful crust cheese. Like on a top. gruyere? Or like a gruyere, yeah. Mm. Ornamental, one of the two. And then. Comte. And then. <laughs> Comte. And then uh, Mexican sage. Remember I was talking about Mexican sage earlier? Mm-hmm. This. Julienne, very thin, and then sprinkle into that cheese. And, and are you cook it any more at that? Yeah, about three, four minutes till the cheese just nice and crisp. So now you have like this onion tart, caramelized onion underneath with the cheese already. And then you cut those slices of tart. And, and the tart is, is on a pâte brisée or what yeah, is it on? It's on the pâte brisée, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, a, it's like an Alsatian tart. Mm-hmm. And then you just, uh, you could also flambe the damn thing with a, Ooh, with a little that's bit of... Uh, sexy. Little grappa from Alsace with some cherry cherry grappa. Mm. Uh, so the Pamela Bay is next level. Next level, Pamela. You have on here uh, ordinary to extraordinary for some of these appetizers, and then you deign to put carrots en croute. Now, who <laughs> who does the carrots en croute uh, as a go-to appetizer? I don't think I don't think so. I think she meant something else. Uh, I don't know what she meant, but I laughed when I saw. I think saw she was it just saying time. that she was just saying that to get out well, of the. Well, if I'm going to spice up carrots en croute, that classic appetizer. <laughs> Uh, it, it was in the food and wine appetizer really? list as most popular, but I thought Terry, you would take that. Is that like and pigs in a blanket? Exactly. <laughs> really? It's like we would go backwards. So it's like the exactly. fruit would be the upgrade, but the origin would be the pigs. In a yeah. Blanket. <laughs> that is crazy. Some people Are you gonna are, take that one, chef. No, I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't want to take that. I, I my 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 uh, carrots. I would do little pieces about an inch and a half long of carrots, and then I would just cook them gently into a little bit of... Uh, we were using kombucha, or what was that, what was that thing we were using? A shrub. Shrub, a little bit of shrub and baking, and um, soda, pardon me, not baking. And then uh, cook the carrots gently like this, and then finish with a big nugget of butter at the end <laughs> and some toasted sesame seed. And I would toss the whole thing together at the end and have a syrup of around the carrots, and that would be my appetizer. So I just have one question, Chef. Are you buying one of those little tubes of Pillsbury biscuits and knocking it on the counter and opening it, you know, so that it... Well, yeah, if I'm doing doing carrot en croute, I'd definitely use those. That's what you use for a... uh, Yeah. That's what you use for a bacon blanket, isn't it? You have to. (laughs) If you're going to go, you've got to go. (laughs) But I I like the idea of the wonton wrapper instead, uh, because I'm doing, you know, finish with tortilla sesame seed and uh, it's got a little bit of sweet and sour uh, cooked the carrots, so I put it in a wonton wrapper and put that in the oven. And well, that, croute, that particular croute. recipe, that dough recipe, is <laughs> sticky, so you just take a little uh, egg wash, yeah. brush it, and then put some of your veggie rub, the Rub with Love veggie rub, on top. Yeah. Your carrot en croute. And, uh, <laughs> and go from there. So. I, I, prefer right, sa- one, uh, I prefer salmon en croute myself. Another one is nachos. And again, I love that Pamela put queso nachos. Like yeah. nachos don't usually have cheese. <laughs> uh, how would you how would you spiff up some nachos? 
You know why they're not use, shows? Because they're mine. Yes. Get it? Uh, I would stable by having fresh, beautiful corn tortilla, and I would use a beautiful cheese to go on top of it. You know, that is interesting that you just say that, because that's an effort that people, including myself, rarely make. But it makes such a big oh, difference to make your you know, homemade tortillas. Or even if you just take the store-bought ones and fry them yourself, yeah, rather than yeah. buying chips. They taste fresher. But yeah. making your own tortillas... You only need half the amount because they're so much thicker and richer. Uh, that that is a step up. Just yeah. making fresh tortillas and, and then corn frying them. is where it's at, man. It's like the corn tortilla versus flour tortilla. I'm corn one hundred percent. I just like the flavor so much better. I think it's it just feels better. It just tastes better. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, crepes. This is right up your alley, chef. How would you take? Uh, now we're talking appetizers. What would be a typical crepe? Appetizer. Well, you could do a ham and cheese um, kind of crepe, uh-huh. and then make it in small. Unsta- you know, when you make crepes, they're usually eight inches. They're usually eight inches. You cut them in four, and you wrap them up. So you have like you a, put a pick in them or something. So you have a triangle. Then you put your your ham and cheese in the middle, uh-huh. and then you roll that like a little cornet. Oh, like a little flour. Uh, yeah, and then you do your salmon crepes. Then you put that in the oven for about two minutes. So the cheese starts to melt, and the f- good thing to go on top of that is just a little dollop of Mornay sauce, a good bechamel, grated, sin- grated nutmeg, put- and cheese, and put that right on top of that crepe. Uh-huh. And then that's a nice little bite of ham and cheese crepe. Oh. And if you can't have that or can't make it at home, pretty soon at the airport we'll have what that. What herb? You know, you've got these herbs in front of you. What herb would you use with that? Chives is the first thing that comes to mind because that that's Mornay, is, right? The yeah. copper fennel would be good in there. Copper fennel would be delicious uh, to be more creative. They would definitely be... Oh, do you know what? Thai basil. You put a leaf of Thai basil right on top of that Mornay. It would be delicious to have with that. Want it go black, though? When you heat basil like that, it no, no, tends no. to want to go black. When it's on the Mornay, so it's already done. The uh-huh. crepe is done. You put your Mornay sauce on top, and then you put the raw leaf of Thai basil on top, and then you eat it with that. So that would give you that. I love the flavor of Thai basil. And with cheese, I think it would be delicious. Uh-huh. Uh, in in uh, 15 seconds, tell me what you perceive as the difference in flavor between Thai basil, opal basil, and regular basil. So regular sweet. basil is called sweet basil. It's the basil that we all know as a flavor. Thai basil is a little bit more, to me, it's got a little bit more kick to it. Like it's yeah. got a different. To me, it's got a little cinnamony quality. Yeah, it's got a little cinnamon. It's got a little. It's got a little spice to it that the other basil doesn't have. Uh-huh. It's got more substance to it. It also, when you cook, like if you do a broth or or you do a sauce, Thai basil sustains much better than regular basil. Uh-huh. Regular basil, to me, is at its best when it's raw. Yeah. All right. Tom and Terry in the kitchen coming right back with Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. We're back at the Hot Stove Society Show. We're going to play some Food for Thought, Tasty Trivia brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs. You can find them in your local grocery stores. As chefs, we're always looking for ways to build unique flavors and, and uh, stock our pantry with edible items that uh, make you a better cook. And these spices are a valuable tool. Our Rub With Love blends have a wide range of flavor profiles, so why not collect them all? Absolutely. Absolutely. Rub With Love can be found at QFCs, Whole Foods, PCCs, independent butcher shops, including the Butcher Boys in Puyallup, Double D Meats in Mount Lake Terrace, 
and Nelson's Meats in Albuquerque, New Mexico. All right, Pam, uh, we have some ravishing contestants, Karen Gibney and Debbie Hamilton. And uh, what do they have to do? How do they play the game? Uh, each of the contestants are going to get three, uh, five questions, and someone's going to win. Not the one that gets three. <laughs> get the most right. I just do, do they get a prize if they Oh, lose? they certainly. Oh, uh, yes. Or should I say, do they get a prize when they lose? Oh. <laughs> oh. We're, we're featuring the new Taco Spice because it's, uh, it's lighting up America now with the giveaway that you did. So they need to know about it, too. I'm getting some great pictures back from that yeah. giveaway. Yeah. yeah, that was successful. All right, let's begin. Let's do it. Mr. Otero, what kind of oil does South Indian cooking mainly feature? Coconut. Palm. Cor- <laughs> Correct. Palm oil? It's coconut. No, it's coconut. It's coconut. Really? Yeah. Um, what, uh, number two, what kind of nutrients do strawberries have? Very good nutrients. Mm. <laughs> so true. They're so good. There's so many Such that you probably nutrients. C. Vitamin C. Definitely. Do <laughs> you want to add? Do I want to add to that? B6, K, E, and C, iron, copper, magnesium, phosphorus, folate. Wow. They're uh, worth eating. I have it's a whole headache. damn alphabet. <laughs> I have a headache. Yeah. <laughs> so is that a yes or a no on my answer? You win. Well, you, 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 you guessed a correct one. Okay. Well, he guessed. Nutrient singular. My, my partner here in crime went like this. Yeah. I thought she was, she was going to go like this, but she only kept this. I'm like, oh, She didn't see. know how to do the K. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, what ingredient does Cuba predominantly export as an ingredient more than as something that you... So a spice. Don't give it to him. <laughs> You know, Tom? Uh, yes. Think of it as a plant. You think you see oh, pictures. Oh, plantain. No, that would be South America. Let me see. I'm sweet on you, chef. Oh, onions? Yeah. Sugar. <laughs> no, when he says he's sweet on me, I go, onions? Sugar. <laughs> what a, what a Earning sweet. the name. Unbelievable. No, sugar. Okay, cool. Sugar. How about that? <laughs> sugar will I was going to say rum originally, but that didn't work, so... Which country is the largest exporter of mangoes? Uh, I'm going to go... I'm surprised by this. It's either Costa Rica or India? Yes. Ta-da! Okay. And number five. What are the two main ingredients when you are making a meringue? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't have any egg whites and sugar, you should go do something else. Yay. What was your score, please? Four out of five. Not bad. Well, I'm going to say three because that's kind of cheating on the... Oh, you're, you're, way, to be, way to be stand-up, Chef. You're an honest man. Yeah. Karen and Debbie, you ready for the fun at the mic? Sure. Number so one. Debbie looks very nervous. This is nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, typically when you're nervous, you can't really think of the answer, and that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep you nervous. Okay. Number one, what type of food is a fagas? F-O-U. It's got to be something from Jersey. Let me pronounce it correctly. Fugas. Okay, thank you, Terry. Got to be something from Jersey, doesn't it? Hey, <laughs> it's either a bean or a pate. <laughs> it's a bread. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost said bread. A, a, a type of bread, usually in some pretty lattice shape, similar. It's a high oil content, like focaccia. Number two, what kind of grain is gluten-free naturally and is used for gluten-free products? Rice. <laughs> 
<laughs> would rice qualify rice as Rice is actually a, a grass, but it's okay. It's a grass. But teft is what I think you were looking we for. We were looking for buckwheat. Oh. Buck, buckwheat is completely devoid of gluten. But I like where you went, because we use rice a lot. Question. Um, so is that is, a yes? Yes, yeah, so you, you got a yes there. That was a yes? Yeah. Oh, you gave it to him? Uh, when you bake a crust without a filling, what is that called? What is that baking technique called? Blind bake? Yes! yes. Good job. Number four, where should you always store whole wheat flour? Refrigerator. Yeah. Exactly, because of its high fat content. They're, they're going you guys, through it. They're crushing you. They're already equal with me. Three. And for finally, what was the first food that was eaten in outer space? Base. Dried strawberries? Wasn't dried. Wasn't? No. Dried? I was, was going to say tang. That's what I was going to say is tang. <laughs> fruit. tang. No. First no. Fruit. No. Put Followed it in. Followed by jello. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, popular in kids' lunches in little cups. Applesauce. Yay! <laughs> Four out of five. All Tremendous right. showing. Wow. Uh, Tom, what type of beans are used to make baked beans? Navy beans. Haricot. No. <laughs> You're from the Boston area. You know exactly what kind of bean. Haricot. No. Terry, do you want to weigh in? No, I'm with you. It's, it's not navy beans for it sure. It is navy beans. No. For Boston baked beans? Yes. You guys are crazy. Number two. According to the American Heart Association, how many egg whites should you eat in a day? Uh, 17. Two egg whites and one full egg is the recommended egg, ta- egg intake. So that's three egg whites and one yolk. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So you're off by a few. Okay. Number three, what is bobuti? Bobuti. It's How do you spell that? B-O-B-O-T-I-E. It's a cotton candy served at the <laughs> county fair in Oklahoma. <laughs> the national dish of South Africa, a bobuti, is made of curried meat and fruit with a golden upper layer. Oh, wow. I can't wait to try it. I know. That sounds delicious. All the way to Oklahoma. What is nigiri? <laughs> nigiri. Uh, well, there's one I finally know. Good. Yeah. That is uh, raw fish or cooked. It could be like an ebby, a cooked prawn or a piece of uh, octopus or something on top of a little rice patty with a little bit of... Typically with a little bit of wasabi smeared on it. Mm. So when you, most people, when they think they're going to have, go have sushi, they think of having nigiri. Yes. Not sashimi. Beautifully done. And finally, what is the secret behind sriracha's popularity? Uh, I'm going to say garlic because it's spicy, but it also has a seasoning blend behind it. And it is, uh, the peppers are grown in Mexico. They're having a shortage this year mm-hmm. because of a weather issue. And... The neighbors down in the San Fernando Valley, I think, sometimes get a, a few too many whiffs. They get a little upset yes, about yes. all the stuff coming. They've had some debate over the... Coming from the factory down yeah, there. Yeah, the factory. We're giving you that one, but additionally, sriracha contains the chili peppers, which are known to release endorphins. Oh, so put you in a I tremendous mood. <laughs> I like to swim with the dolphins. Dun, dun, dun. Swimming the with dolphins. Is... <laughs> the winner is, of course, Karen and Davey. Yay! If you want to be part of the show like Karen and Debbie, you can buy a ticket at Hot Stove Society or just join our community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas & Co. Or buy, buy off Karen and Debbie. <laughs> Go watch their video online.
Uh, you're listening to us on the, uh, the Cairo Radio. Our show is produced by Pamela Hinckley, Sean McFadden, and our editor is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and have a fabulous weekend.